welcome back to the Bible Study Girl podcast. This is Sarita, but you probably know me as Bible Study Girl. And providing our introduction today is none other than the executive producer of this here podcast, Bible Study Brother. Oh, it is I, Bible Study Brother, also known as Icarus Gray or Gray Area Anime. And this is the most wonderful podcast of your day. Honeysuckle somewhere out now. Go listen to the song on all your streaming platforms from Apple Music to Spotify to Pandora and everywhere else. You know, after I provided that rousing introduction to you and there was a long pause, I was like, hey, is my is my mic on? <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Check, check 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 uh thankfully the mic is on and hopefully this is the most wonderful podcast of your day today we're back into our blog recap bag and we are going down memory lane and talking about the blog colorblind part of our blog recap means that you get the chance to go back down memory lane with us so you can head over to biblestudygirl.com Touch the magnifying glass in the upper right hand corner and type in colorblind so that you'll be able to read and see what we're really talking about. Um, So first things first, Bible study brother is going to tell me what he thought when he had a chance to sit down and read the blog, the impressions he got, the emotions that he evoked, whatever was running through his brain when he read the blog. Then I'll pop in guys and I'll let you know how I felt when I sat down to write the blog and I'll let you know if my thoughts and feelings on the subject have changed since the blog was originally written so this blog was written in 2019 October of 2019 so um it was written way before uh George Floyd was murdered so that's something to think about as well when you think about the subject matter so go ahead bible study brother I'm gonna be quiet and let you take it away and tell us what you thought about the blog colorblind um so the blog colorblind in and of itself was about two instances technically of um racism that you've experienced and the first instance was just kind of that thing that i think a lot of us um younger black kids kind of go through or went through in the 90s and kind of into uh the 2000s which was so we are the uh the non-segregated going to school kids we're the generation that you know you didn't have to like quote-unquote fight to get into a school with with white people and all this other stuff and so there was a bit of uh hope and, and and we're all friends kind of thing that we all probably or not all, but some of us, me personally and, and uh, from uh, Bible City Girls experience also had the same thing, which is you become really good friends with people in elementary school. You are like tight, like sleepovers, baths, all of the things that you do with kids. And by the time that you're like a preteen, though, and you start to kind of like step into your culture or step into a certain uniqueness that comes from uh the differences in those culture uh those cultures there can be this um separation that starts to happen and you don't really understand why um eventually it starts to make itself clear and and things start you know um showing themselves um but on one side of it there isn't a lot that you end up doing uh, to to kind of evoke 
um, the separation in and of itself. And you can end up with some pains and, and things in, in, in that regard. Um, the secondary part of it was she dealt with racism in um, her field. Uh, in speech pathology, only three or speech language pathologists, there's uh, 3% of all <laughs> the speech pathologists are black. 3%. Are minority. Are, are minority, excuse me. Uh, 3% are a minority. So then again, that 3% can be even lower. Uh, and even lower, lower in that is, you know, a, a black man and males in that. It's so very small. Um, And so being in that field, she's dealt with a lot of different situations where people aren't expecting to see a black person because with 3%, the, the chances of you seeing one in this field is, is low. Um, and so my thoughts on both of those, uh, juxtaposition, the first juxtaposition I think was, I've been there. I've been in a position where I had a friend, um, matter of fact, we used to do an interracial, uh, Sunday and the pastor that came over, his son is the son that I was cool with that, you know, we's both nerds. We like Pokemon and cards and all this other stuff. And it was, we, we had a, a birthday party at his house, I think, like, maybe eighth grade or something like that. Um, and, like, that was, like, the last time that we really kicked it. And didn't say anything else. I mean, I'm, again, I didn't change. I'm still the same person. I like rap music. I listen to R&B. I still listen to all of my games. And I'm still the biggest nerd that could possibly be. But we just kind of fell apart. And it was weird. Um, and then 9-11 happened and it was like the, that time and, and space and time of kind of like realizing what people thought about race um, and what people thought about each other was something that started to kind of like turn me into Bully's grandson. That was my 9-11 was my inception. Uh, oh, that was your wake up call that well, different I, races are treated. In a, because for me at that point in time because my sister thought i was just naive to all of this i remember having conversations about this and i'm like i don't know you seemed i was like well i was hopeful i wasn't naive i was just hopeful that i could marry somebody that was outside of my race and we could like you know try something like it, it might not be the whole dent but it'll be something and but 9-11 i remember you know, kind of not understanding the gravity of it, because it, this, this is also a point where I'm realizing that I grow up in a neighborhood where, you know, shootings can happen sometimes. And, and you always hear ambulances and, and, and fire trucks and police cars and stuff like around the area, not necessarily like on our street or whatever. And so uh, we had just had somebody like on our street. Um, there was this house at the corner that people would rent out a lot. And a lot of times the people that rented out that house were not necessarily like the greatest people sometimes, it seemed. That is true. I would say the one great thing about our neighborhood is most of the people that lived on our street own their home, yeah. except for that rental house. And they was going to bring the, the noise yeah. and the funk. Go ahead. <laughs> and so at this rental house, uh, somewhere around that time, like somebody had been shot and died 
in in front of that house. And I remember us all being outside um, and like dealing with those first kind of things. Like there was these people riding around in this, and I'll never forget this, in this red like Cadillac toned out painted truck looking thing or, or car or whatever. It was it was just a real nice car. And so me and my friends are all standing out in the front. We've been taught the black code at this point, which is you don't snitch. Is it, 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 you just and again at this point, like I don't know who did what, when, where. Well, when. that might be the black code, but let me put a pin in your statement. That's <laughs> not a Sarita code. I'm gonna tell you, don't do it in front of me because I'm going to tell. I'm not going to jail, and not go ahead with the rest of your uh, story. So, I wasn't there for what it was. So. Well, so here's the thing. So this person drives up, and this is why I'm saying, like, I, I mean, just what who you tell it to, and it's not. This ain't a cop. This ain't a cop that you snitching to. It's just somebody that's asking questions. I don't need to tell you nothing. Why you asking? So we all know, like, no, nah, I didn't see nothing. I don't know what. I don't know what's going on downstairs. And a a a, a neighbor girl uh, who stayed two houses down from us. Yeah, I know who you talking about. Felt the need <laughs> uh, to be like, well, no, somebody got shot down there or something like that. And so we look and stare at her like. Bro, why are you standing in front of my house saying this? If these the people and they just trying to see what's going on, because I don't right. know how you know criminal like because criminals is bold sometimes. Like you don't really like a lot of what happens in terms of crime. They ain't that far. Like I feel like whoever did it wouldn't. Somebody lived in the neighborhood is is my just assumption. Well, in that case, I thought you were saying you weren't snitching to the police. In that case, oh, no, I, I would I wouldn't even been out there. But go ahead. But I mean, I would have. I mean, like that. That's different. But I'm just saying, like you know, not to like you don't do that in between folks, or you should to me. Now, that's definitely a cultural difference, like a neighborhood difference. It depends on what neighborhood you grow up yeah. in. I'm gonna let you finish. Uh, but anyway, so this had just happened. So the reason I brought that up, this has just happened. Then 9/11 happens. And I remember thinking so vividly about the people that die in my neighborhood every day that no one cries about, no one cares about. And I was like, I don't even understand why we're crying right now. And that that can seem controversial, but I'm like, I'm in eighth grade. I don't have, I ain't never been to New York. I don't have no people that, that at that point that live in New York. Right. Like I'm also a minority. So I'm not even thinking of like, I'm, I'm also trained in a certain way, which is, what did we do? <laughs> like, oh, so that was your thought? It was, you know, we can talk uh, about 9 11 another day, but we have completely um, different perspectives on that. But, well, uh, the, 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 uh, anyway, the, the summation of what I'm saying is like, so when I was looking at that, my first thought was, you know, people die in it every day. We ain't crying for them. And so there was like this disconnect of first, and then the, uh, the way that they talked about america in a way that they had not before and was so and this might have been the first time i also realized that politics was was a bit of a sham at this point because every commercial was i'm an american i'm an american oh i'm an american and there was a noticeable person that was missing from this i am an american campaign that you running on all these uh channels and i was very upset and taken aback by like Y'all don't like us on a good day. Like, this is, I know this is fake. I know this is fake. And I don't understand why nobody else notices what they're doing. 
which is like this is publicized uh, or or commercialized racism against a whole group of people and their religious beliefs. And so that's kind of what that reminded me of in that first half. And in the second half, I haven't had too many instances of dealing with blatant racism outside of our Chicago trip. Um, and, you know, there is so much going on nowadays after we've gone through the last presidency that we've gone through, the current ways the presidency of stuff is going on now. Like all the hope I had as a young person thinking like that Martin Luther King had happened a hundred years ago in terms of how history is taught to us and realizing like, oh, it was just, you know, 40 years or whatever at that time. And then it was 50 years. And then like, oh, so we're not really that far. That's my, my grandma's, you know, the gap of that. Right. That's a person I can talk to that like that history is not so far from me. And so it started to kind of um, make me look at the world differently, obviously, as I'm becoming Bowie's grandson in the sense that I just think certain things I just can't fool with. Um, so I'm not like as mad because I know that you are protected and you are a queen and your blackness is not something that you've ever been um shy about in in at least how you present yourself to me you may have had personal moments or whatever but i've never been like you know man i don't think my sister got that black girl magic i'm like no i know she got black girl magic like she's very uh loud and spoken about that like through the lens of my sister is how like you know because when people was first doing the natural hair craze whatever i was just like oh this is this is wild why is folks doing this versus seeing my sister and how she like seeing this like oh i get it it makes sense like i see oh that's what's up um and just kind of seeing like the appreciation of what it is to be black i think has been um something that that spiritually is is a is a a hodgepodge of in of of things and all together, but long story less long. In fact, that I've said it, which makes the fact that it's <laughs> that, not worth yeah, saying. Yeah, that it's a long uh, story. I'm letting you. I'm doing my. I'm doing ooh, a great job. I let you. You speak. are. So um, I finished on a co- coherent thought that isn't just a bunch of stories that just seem disconnected. Um, my experience with a lot of this stuff was so was surface. And had very serious points. And then I just fell into the water. And when I fell into the water, I'm no longer able to see things from just a non-problematic standpoint. Um, Just in saying, like, even the word colorblind. If you say that, we got a problem. Right. We got to talk. We got a problem. Or I just can't be around you. Because it means (laughs) you're choosing to be blind to different things. And I know that there's um there's understanding everywhere there are too many examples in the world that show me people understand what's going on um to even give somebody benefit of the doubt and feel like they don't know what we talking about so those are my thoughts that's what that kind of brought out of me i'm in a more i'm not as angry as i thought it would be because i'm trying to be better right now this is definitely one of those times when i did not want you to read it like oh you have to read it immediately before we start because i don't want you have time to stew on your thoughts and get (laughs) 
super pumped and angry. I, you mentioned a couple things. One, I've always been very much aware that I'm a black person. I've never been in question of it. Um, so I, I haven't had a, a racial identity crisis. Like, who am I? Am I black or white? I was very much aware of the fact that I was a black girl. I, so my best friend when I was in elementary school was white. We did everything together. I had other friends. I had black friends and white friends as well. But my bestest friend um, was white. I went to a different junior high and that's when the separation began. I spent more time, I think with my, I did spend more time with black classmates than white classmates. And it wasn't an intentional thing. I think it was really just, I don't, I think it was just environment driven because my, the demographics changed from my elementary school to where my junior high was it just was a different demographic there were more white kids in my elementary school and there were more black kids in my junior high so the the demographics just shifted so I think that's what the big thing is so I've never I I don't agree with being colorblind I've never been colorblind I'm very aware of what I look like and who I am but I believe for me the whole purpose of the blog and the reason I wrote the blog about color is because I've had way too many experiences in my life with Christians, with people that proclaim that they love Christ, but they have a problem with me strictly based on the color of my skin, not anything that I've done to them, not yeah not anything I've done to them and not even an experience they've had with me but their thought of who I am is strictly based off the color of my skin I tell a story in the blog about being at work as a therapist Joe touched on this my field uh I believe is three percent of the minor three percent of speech language pathologists are minority So that could be black, that could be Asian, you know, just anything that's not white. The majority of my field is white women. Men are definitely in the minority in my field. You really don't see men speech language pathologists that often. They do exist, but they're definitely not as prevalent. The industry is primarily white women. So... When I, I'm going to talk specifically about the incident I had when I moved to Arkansas. I started my professional career in Georgia and really my, my start in Georgia was like a gym. It was something that was out of the ordinary for a typical environment. I went in there and my, when we graduate from school, we're still not completely free we have to do what we call a clinical fellowship year and you have to have a supervisor the lord favored me and looked out for me my clinical supervisor is a black woman i just told you 97 percent of the profession is white women so for me to get a job in a new location and have my supervisor be a black woman is not that's like a god thing that's not a coincidence thing 
not only was my supervisor a black woman, but she's a strong black woman that's confident and was really able to help me navigate the field. But I say um, my first year out of school was like a blessing and a godsend and like an anomaly because I believe there were four or five black speech pathologists at my job. And I was like, oh, this is not what I'm expecting. And it was it was a great experience to have those women there to mentor me. Now, we didn't sit down and talk about race all the time. It, we, it was not that, but it was just great to have those examples and have women that I could call later down the line when situations arose so I could say, hey, is this typical or am I tripping? Like, you know, am I being sensitive or is this the way it typically goes? And so then I went to Houston, which was also an anomaly. Tons of black SOPs. I was surrounded by black SOPs. So I had a different experience. I think the people there, they get. So people aren't thrown off when there's a black SOP, I think just because of the. I think Houston is like a chocolate city. Tons of black people there. So you're more likely to get a black speech therapist. I moved back home to Arkansas and the bottom fell out. I was going to be, I, every job I worked at, pretty much as I've been back at Arkansas, I'm it. You looking for a person of color? It's me. (laughs) (laughs) Is she a therapist or a teacher? I'm a therapist. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay, people. Um, Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And so moving back to Arkansas was a culture shock for me. It was. And I know it was a culture shock for the clients that I was servicing because I'm not the norm. I'm not what they're used to seeing. So I was said all of that to t- to kind of help you understand my shock when I start working in Arkansas and I was working for a travel therapy company, well, like a home health therapy agency. And I had to call and schedule appointments with my clients. So I called to set up my initial appointment to treat the son. And I never get a call back, but at this point I'm driving from house to house. I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm not centrally located. I'm working out of my car, you know, um, trying to make this work and my supervisor calls me in the office and she's like yeah the patient's mom called and said she wasn't under she wasn't able to understand you to make the appointment but I knew that wasn't true because she called to tell me she wanted to cancel the appointment at the date and the time that you said So she understood what you were saying. And she was like, I just want to let you know that I'm aware what's going on because she had let all the other therapists that the child was scheduled to receive come into her home. But she did not want me to come into her home. The clinic made the compromise. I didn't have to go to the lady's home. Now, mind you, I am a home health therapist. The reason you contacted the agency is because you want somebody to come to your home to see your child because you don't want to bring them to the clinic this lady would drive up to the clinic every week so that he could receive speech therapy from me because they refused to give her a different therapist 
Like if she wanted speech therapy, she had to receive speech therapy through me. And it was only later that I discovered that every other therapy that the child received, the child received in the home. Occupational therapy was in the home. Physical therapy was in the home. He might have even received uh, developmental therapy, but they all went to that lady's house. But she didn't want me in her house. And the only way he was going to get speech therapy through that clinic was if she brought him in because they would not give her a new therapist. When I say I was like, what world are we living in? And the thing that was so crazy to me, this lady would be so polite to me, never told me she didn't like me because I was black because we had never had any interaction for her to say this woman is not qualified to treat my child. There was nothing that could make her refuse my services. She didn't know me. She just knew that I was a black woman and that's not what she wanted for her son. Every interaction we had, she was pleasant. She loved the Lord. Um, Jesus ruled and reigned over her life, but I wasn't good enough to treat her son. And that bothered me. Yeah, you're being more Boo's granddaughter today. It's the truth. So, no, it is. I'm just saying that that bothers me that we sit up and we say we love God, but we have such a strong dislike for somebody literally based on the way they look. I didn't choose my pigment. I didn't choose the melanin in my skin, but I'm glad I have it and I'm proud of it. I don't like to toot my own horn, but I helped your child lady. I helped your child to be able to communicate effectively despite what you thought about me when you looked at me and when you looked at the color of my skin. And that's not the first time I've had to encounter uh, not even just a racist parent, but I had a therapist that I worked with. She was telling a story in the therapy room. She was talking, well, it wasn't even in a room. It was like in the big, like in the big gym. She's telling a story in the big gym and she keeps using the she keeps she keeps when she's telling the story she's really saying the word nigger but she's saying it niger and she continues to tell the story and like everybody else was very uncomfortable i didn't say anything to her i'm at work i'm working with this child i moved the child to a different room like we we leaving out of here because i don't need to go off so <laughs> go to a different room and one by one therapists are coming in the room i'm so sorry i'm so sorry but this same woman is a proud believer she professes christ she constantly posts about how much she loves the lord and oh we're going to church today and all of that stuff and i wrote colorblind as a response to all of those all of those things we can't say we love christ and then treat people the way we do based on skin based on what they look like mm -hmm. you know I'm very much aware that people, you you really can't be colorblind. You look at me, you see my color. I'm going to tell you something. Me and Tamika used to always say, like if people ignored us or something, like as big as I am, I know you see me standing here. There is no way you 
<laughs> and as dark as I am, I know you see me standing here. There's no way you missed me. You're being very disrespectful and you're being disrespectful on purpose. Now, I will say that one of the things I do grapple with in the blog as well is that I don't believe it might be set up this way. I ain't been to heaven. Uh, if I get there before y'all and he let me report back, I'll let you know. But yeah. I don't believe heaven is separated by color. We're all going to be worshiping the same God. And I don't think he's going to separate us out. So I think that's one big issue as a body that we need to address. Like I do go to a predominantly black church because I feel connected. I feel like you get my struggle and you understand my struggle and you can talk to me about God in a way that I understand and not that a white pastor couldn't do it. Uh, my therapist is Caucasian and he is a former pastor. So yeah, cause we believe Jesus. We believe the same core principles. I can sit and talk with you, but I wonder why there isn't more of that in the body of Christ. You talked a little bit about it earlier, Joe, while still maintaining my culture while still maintaining it's um it's it's really difficult in a lot of different ways um in terms of what i've come to realize about different things and it's especially hard up here in washington where i mean like you either there are a lot of people who are trying to who have open churches um so a lot of these churches are huge into evangelism, uh YWAM programs, the whole nine, and they go in Africa and all these other places. So they are in constant contact with people, quote unquote, outside of their race. Um, there's a lot of mixed churches and things that we've been looking at. And but the one thing that's always weird to me, um, and it's just a person who uh champions representation in a earnest way. It don't be no black people on these boys. Like there'd be some black people on like the greeting staff. It'd be some black <laughs> people that are, you know, working with foods and stuff. But in these combined churches where we're trying to, you know, profess this combined effort, I've yet to see a black person on the board. Um, there's Asian people that, like I said, to lead the greeting teams and 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 the, the life groups and do all this other stuff. You know, there might be a black person that's that's in a life group, but I just it's it's a thing to where I wonder what it is your purpose is. Is your overall purpose the um the growing of the kingdom or is it the kingdom that looks like you? Because if it's the growth of the kingdom, then you understand the parts that you can't do. Like yeah, the Bible is 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 universal and it's not saying, you know, that um that it can't speak to who it needs to speak to, but our experiences, our experiences, excuse me, are not right. universal in the sense because it's just that that just ain't it. If you do not know what it feels like to have explained to you what you need to be doing when a cop is behind you, or you're if if you feel like if if a cop pulls you over and they ain't got a reason that you can tell them that they don't have a reason to pull you over. And you're not afraid because you're talking about law, then we don't have the same experience. Right. Um, like, and those 
parts of representation have to be understood. You got to understand that, like, it is hard for, especially, and I don't think a lot of these churches even think about it because they're professing a certain amount of love. It's hard for these black people to walk into these non-denominational or these all open churches or whatever. The music gets me every time. It's not that it's like it's bad music or something, but it don't like I keep like I be sitting there praying and I'm like, I just help me to to feel this. Like I got my 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 list of songs. They ain't that big in terms of songs where I'm like, yeah, I fool with that. You know, because like God help lead me to the words, lead me to the words and the understanding because the feeling that I'm used to is not here. In that way, this feels just the absent of that. And, you know, that's like one small part. But the other part is, like I said, the representation. I know you don't know my experience. I know you don't. Like, I know you can give me a, a, a scripture or two. But sometimes I want to know you understand it as a person the same way that I know Jesus understands my experience. Like of anything i know he gets my experience especially being tried for something you didn't do oh yeah you know so i the representation of who you're speaking and 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 you know come as you are and speak to people at that level like do you have somebody in that place what are you actively doing that speaks to that lack of knowledge like you can scream black lives matter and 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 open the doors to everybody that you want to. But what are you doing that makes me feel like I too am home here? Right. And like, I think you know a lot of times when we go out searching for churches, we do we we we, we want to be somewhere that makes us feel good. And so I mean this podcast is not going to have all the answers. This is just a chance for me to unleash your unwind child. And- <laughs> try to try to come to a a happy medium i don't i don't have the problem i mean i don't have the answer necessarily to racism but i think it is on us as christians who say we love the lord to really respect people of all colors and to realize that as a body of christ we need to be more embracing and really think about what it means to be christ-like it's not it really is not just sitting up in our separate churches our churches that are divided by race every sunday it's really about caring about people as a whole and i think that's something that we struggle to do really as a society um you know we think about the i think they call them the evangelicals Mm -hmm. Um, they say they love God, but so. even in that, it's like a the the thing that's so crazy to me about how they profess loving the Lord and how they go out and do these things. Right, you're even doing it in a segregated way. Right, you're, you're starting with like this thought process that when you go to these places, at least this is how it comes off to me. It could be wrong. And I I only have one person that is actually uh done why wham and and stuff like that so i don't know all of the intricacies of what they go and do but 
from everything. No, I wasn't talking about missionaries. I was just talking about the evangelical well, movement. As I'm a whole. saying like in the what I'm saying in that light. What I'm saying about what's different to me and the disconnect that I'm always, that I'm seeing constantly, whether it's them or other people, is there's a lot of things that they do for the community, in the sense that there is a it's charity driven. Which means you'll do food drives, you know, you do the backpacks and you do all of these different things like you go on the mission trips. And that to me is is a part of it. But I don't see the the building of the bridge to understanding a person's culture. There's more. Your culture is just wrong and it's demonic. Right. And there's a separation like, no, you need to just like there's no like it's almost saying to me that nothing about your culture is good like that that's how it comes off to me it could be wrong could be you know throwing whatever out there but that's just how it comes off because at what point do you understand that there's a lot of their culture that is good like what they worship might not be and how they worship might not be but like there are other parts that would probably make them feel comfortable at home uh, feel invited, feel that God is is moving through them too, that they can then use the communication that you've now given them to talk to other people. Because the right. reason that it doesn't just start catching and spreading like wildfire in the way that you think that it should, and the reason why you keep having to do these mission trips a million times, you're not integrating to the culture. Like, yeah, you you will eat what it is that that they eat and you know try to follow certain norms. But like, how are you empowering them with the culture that they exist in, the culture that they live in to be themselves and serve God? And it right. doesn't mean, I, I think there's you know, yeah. there's definitely a space for that. And then yeah. we definitely need more of that. And I think I want to challenge every believer like, yeah, I'll see color. I want you to see my color. I don't want you to not see my color, mm-hmm. but I also want you to respect who I am like you just said respect my culture um and and realize that black doesn't mean bad yeah like like it, it doesn't you know, hip-hop doesn't mean bad a beat in 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 music that ain't just like a couple rock riffs ain't <laughs> bad uh like it's just not your it's just not your thing but i think that the great thing about belonging to christ is that he died for everybody yeah he died for the black the white the asian the hispanic he died for us all and we're not all supposed to be the same we're supposed to come with our unique gifts and talents we talked a bit about it on the last podcast like God gives us all different talents and he wants us to use them all and express ourselves in the unique way that he made us. Like that's, that's, that's part of the beauty of belonging to the body of Christ is that we all bring something different to the table. That's the joy of it for me that I get to be around different people, but we all serve the same God. And I also think it's important for us to remember that, how we treat each other we're family mm-hmm. if you love christ and i love christ we are family we're brothers and sisters and we need to treat each other well now of course family members do get into it because i got some family members but anyway the thing is at the end of the day we are all part of one body and i really want us to be able to yeah. bridge the gap it's just there's a just bridge the actual understanding 
Like, like I said before, yes, the experiences that or the the Bible is universal to everybody in terms of what it's trying to say or what it is saying in terms of the truth. The part that is not universal is how you deliver that, how it's received, how you act on that, because we're all parts of one body. But like my sister just said, we all have different um actions and things that we need to do and, and things that we have to to go forth with that if you do not take that into account you can't equip what you don't know needs to be equipped true like if i get if i'm naturally built in my culture to have armor over my body you putting another set of armor over me it's just weighing me down it don't make me feel like you understand like, oh, no, I really I really needed them sandals that you wear. I really needed this part of what you do, because that further equips that makes me stronger. That makes us stronger as, as a, a body. body stronger. Yeah, so, we'll be able to reach more, you know, like lean to the word always. But just try to understand the people, it, it, you know, it says speak to people where they are like that's something y'all keep saying. But like you can't speak what you don't know. You can't you you can't try to keep you can't keep trying to translate what you know with a lack of perspective. Am I going to have to do a retraction right now? I guess I would. I did get a little bit heated when I was giving my racism story, but I'm not mad. It's just because that's honestly, if I walked around mad all day, y'all would know it. I'm not mad. It's just a reality for me. But I am passionate about making it known. And we have to do better as people who love God and who are called according to his purpose can be out here disrespecting Mm -hmm. people. That's all I got, brother. Okay. Uh, Well, if you would like more, there are blog posts every day at BibleStudyGirl.com. You can hit us up at, on Twitter at uh, BibleStudyGirl, the number two, on Instagram at underscore BibleStudyGirl, and on the Bible Study Girl Facebook page. Make sure you like and follow us there. Get us to 10,000, and you have a special surprise. If you listen to the last episode of the podcast, you'll know what that surprise is. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to plug it back to that other podcast that you definitely don't want to miss. Uh, and remember, bro, it's not it's not the, the, the color of my skin that, that preaches. It's not the gender of my body that preaches, but we preach. And until we meet again, guys, keep preaching. <laughs>